this. Good pass, Brad. Michael Wolf, what do you think? I think I know it's a miss. Miss? I think so. I think it looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Big time shot. Have some confidence. <laughs> this is the Sean Miller Podcast, presented by Deer Park Roofing. Now, here's your hosts, Paul Fritchner and Adam Baum, with the head coach of the Xavier Musketeers, Sean Miller. Welcome back to the Sean Miller Podcast. As always, we'd like to thank our partners at Deer Park Roofing for helping make this possible. Paul Fritchner alongside Adam Baum. And on today's show, we're going to go back to the film room. It'll be with the scout team, otherwise known as the walk-ons. Sean Miller sitting down with Ian Sabrin, Brad Colbert, and Michael Wolf to talk about what they do for this team, what their roles are on this team, and also what they bring in practice and how important they are to the success of Xavier. Adam, this is a very interesting episode, and I think it shines a light on something that maybe not a lot of fans know or appreciate about what it takes to win at this level. Yeah, this, this was an episode that was actually Sean's idea, and I think it's really cool because, to your point, you know, a lot of times you don't know about the walk-ons unless Xavier is up really big or they're down really big, and they get to go in at the very end of a game. And that's sort of your understanding of their role. Well, this is an entire episode dedicated to simply how important they are to being a productive team, to being a productive program, everything that goes into being a successful basketball team, these guys have a role in it. And similar to that Des Claude episode that we did earlier, if you're listening to it, I think you'll find it interesting, but there is a film component to this one, so you definitely wanna head over to YouTube and, uh, and dial this one up. Absolutely. Subscribe to our YouTube page, the Sean Miller Podcast. You can also follow us on social media at Sean Miller Pod. Sean has been great with his ideas and what he has brought to the table with this and his dedication to this podcast. And we do our best to make it easy on him on the back end that what we do is we set everything up for him. He comes in, we cut the film, we do everything that he needs to do to have a successful show, to be able to come into the show, sit down, record, and leave. And I think this has been a, a pretty good way to show what he's bringing to the table from a media perspective as well as his coaching. Yeah, I mean, Sean's primary role is always going to be head coach of the Xavier Musketeers. And to this point, and to his credit, you know, nothing that we've done with him has ever taken away from that. I think if we ever get in a situation where he feels like, man, this podcast is, is really taking it out of me, which <laughs> we, to, we set it up in a way so that's, that's not the case, but I think he'd be the first one to step in and say, you know what, I need to focus on preparing for this game, preparing for this week. And I think that's why right now we've been really successful putting out a new one of these every week. But at some point, that may happen. And people need to be prepared for the possibility that maybe there's an episode where it's just me and Paul and a guest and Sean's off doing his thing. But, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think though we've been very strategic in how we set this up to take as little time as possible away from Sean and his coaching duties, and he's been all for it. But we'd like to thank each and every one of you, as we do on every show, for watching, subscribing, listening, sharing, rating, reviewing, all of that good stuff. It's been great so far, and we're excited to keep continuing this into the future. But for now, here is Sean Miller alongside the scout team for the Xavier Musketeers. Well, fellas, welcome to the uh, Sean Miller podcast. It's great to have you as uh, you're probably the third group or fourth group that we've had as guests. Matter of fact, you're the first group. We've had, I think, three individual guests 
and now you become the, the fourth. So uh, it's my honor to have you here on this podcast. I know it's your honor to be on the podcast. And yep. let's start off with a couple of things. One, Bob Nunji, who's a part of our team and unfortunately had a torn ACL here recently. So he's out for the season. But uh, he's also the first person to say no <laughs> to an invite on the Sean Miller podcast. So uh, I want to make sure that I gave a shout out to Bob for, for saying no. We wanted him on. Uh, not sure what, what it was about, but we'll, we'll confront him tomorrow. All right. That's but we got you three guys here. And I just want to set the stage on why uh, we wanted you to be a part of the podcast. And that is uh, there's a lot that goes into creating a college basketball program, uh, to building a team, but also building something that's bigger than a team where, you know, you, you have a culture, an identity, and from one season to the next, uh, you have the ability to be successful. And I, I, one of my beliefs is you have to have a group of, you're called walk-ons, right? As you know, I don't really really like to refer to you as walk-ons because I think some people don't really understand the meaning of it. I try to talk to you about you guys more in terms of you're, you're on our scout team, right? Because without you, we could not be successful. And there's a group of managers we have, obviously a coaching staff that gets paid to do this. We have a group of players, some who have different roles. But you guys a lot of times don't have the opportunity to play in a game, but you give as much effort and you give as much I don't really know how to say it's substance to our practice environment and sometimes anybody else. I want you to know that. I, I say that to you quietly. We talk, you know, sometimes away from the court, but it's your everyday effort that I believe sometimes differentiates us from other programs. But as we build this program and keep building it, you're a real part of it. I, I just want you to know I respect and appreciate you guys a great deal. Okay? Thank, you. Thank you, Coach. So... Would you mind introducing yourself to the camera so everybody knows first and last name, where you're from, what year you are in school, major, anything else you'd like to add, and then we'll take it from there. Michael, I'll start with you. Um, well, my name is Michael Wolf. I'm a redshirt sophomore, a business major, and um, currently sitting here at the Sean Miller Podcast, I guess. That's, that's what I got. Hometown, Michael Wolf. Uh, Denver, Colorado. Uh, from Greenwood Village, about 20 minutes outside of the city of downtown. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Uh, <clears throat> I'm Ian Sabrin. I'm from about 30 minutes north in Hamilton, Ohio. Uh, I'm a finance major, and I'm a sophomore. Hey, everyone. I'm Brad Colbert. I'm a senior finance major from Loveland, Ohio, and this is my second year at Xavier after I spent my first two at University of Louisville. For Coach Mack. Yes. Coach, for Coach, Coach Mack. Mack would have been the head coach. Mm -hmm. yeah. Michael, um, I think one thing that I'd love for you to talk about is, you know, your family tree, the history of your family uh, and its ties to Xavier University. Yeah, my, uh, I've got a five uncles and um, one of them went here who also did broadcasting here for uh, the team for 17 years, Steve Wolf. Um, my godfather. Yep. I also have about, I think it's six cousins right now um, that have gone to Xavier, not including myself. Um, I've got a total of 20 cousins and 
uh, seven second cousins that are all within the Cincinnati area, all very closely related to um, Cincinnati and Xavier University. Everyone comes out to the games a bunch. Um, but my family has been very, very integrated with this university, starting with Steve and then trickling down the cousins. Um, and I'm the last person in the family to be here. Um, and I'll be the last wolf as of right now because uh, Stevie will be leaving at the end of this year. Right. And Stevie's on the volleyball team. She is, yeah. Yeah. Ian? <clears throat> yeah, well, I actually I have a lot, of, a lot of family who's come to Xavier, too. My granddad was the first. He came here probably about 60 years ago, lived in Brockman, where I lived last year. Wow. And then uh, my parents met in Brockman. Wow. And then my, my aunt played soccer here. My other aunt went here, my uncle went here, and then my older sister went here. And I was like deciding between whether I wanted to play D3 lower level basketball or whether I wanted to go for it and try and become like either a manager or a player. And I came here last summer, was a manager to start, um, got, got a few reps in practice, got to play with a few of the coaches and the manager runs. And one day after practice, I got the news that I was moving up onto the team. and. I was very excited. Dream yeah, come true. So, Ian, you know, about that, I don't know in the time that I've been a coach that I've ever seen somebody go from a manager to to a walk-on. Yeah. Because there's a big difference. Yeah. Managers, sure. they're amazing and they do a lot of things. But the actual physicality and just everything that we ask of you guys on a daily basis, which we'll get to, you know, um, I think you're the first. And it's really difficult cool. to do. You know, this summer when we were shorthanded, losing both Zach and Jerome like we did. I mean, you were in every practice yeah. that we went <laughs> as yeah. it led to the Bahamas, you know. And again, that's the understated part of it. If you weren't able to practice at that level, we would have never been able to have the value that we got out of that trip, you know. And uh, so, yeah, it's almost like I forgot at one point you were the yeah. manager. I know, it was crazy. A few people were talking about, like, D-Mail told me this summer, he was like, year ago you were you're a manager and now you're our backup four man <laughs> i was like yeah <laughs> things have changed fast it was cool though i love i loved getting to get get the reps in practice and being able to play on the five and five and yeah, yeah. it was awesome this summer brett so i actually have um <clears throat> no connection to xavier in my family uh, my mom went to ohio state and her side of the family they pretty much all went to ohio state and my dad went to ou so I grew up a huge Buckeye fan. Yeah. Always my favorite player growing up was Aaron Kraft and Jared Selinger and all that. And so then I read a book in about middle school about, it was called Don't Put Me In Coach. It was by Mark Titus. And he was a walk-on at Ohio State. And once I found out like what he did every day, I knew that I wanted to be a walk-on mm. at a school like Ohio State or a big time school. And so coming out of high school, I was looking to either walk on or play D3. And I ended up choosing Louisville because of Chris Mack and just the city of Louisville and the school. And in my sophomore year, Chris Mack left the program. So I was kind of, I was really scared because I didn't know what else I could do. I didn't know where I would go or where I would end up. And so then I remember I texted Chris Mack and I asked him, I said, I'm thinking about going to Xavier. I want to go closer to home. And I was wondering if I texted him, I was like, I was wondering if you could uh, text Sean Miller for me. I know that it's, he's starting a new program, gonna, new people there, and probably going to need some walk-ons. So he was like, all right, give me a second. 
And then he texted me back about 15, 20 minutes later. And he was like, it's your spot if you want it. He's like, sent me Dante's number. And he's like, set up everything for a, to come for a visit and everything. You should be good. So I'm forever grateful for Chris Mack for doing that for me and helping me get here. Yeah, no, it, and it's it's interesting to follow each of your stories and and look, we haven't talked about this part, but um, I think it's worth bringing up. I think each of you guys, if you want to, when your time ends here with us, and I hope it ends after you graduate, you would have a year of eligibility, especially if we work <clears throat> together and preserve it, to go and play D two or wherever you'd want to play, mm -hmm. and. Am I correct, Michael? I think that's inside of you is something that potentially you want to chase. Yeah, that is definitely something that I was thinking about doing this year. I talked to Cohen a little mm -hmm. bit about two weeks before the season, asking to redshirt to maintain <laughs> my eligibility. Um, and he said that he gave me the go-ahead maybe two days before the season started. Yeah. Ian, have you thought about it? Uh, I haven't really ever thought about that, I think. My body might be ready after the four <laughs> years to, to move on, whether that's like into coaching. I've, I've always wanted to be a coach. Yes. So I've, I've thought about that, whether try to get a graduate, graduate spot somewhere as a coach or just entering the workforce. Yeah. And Brad? Yeah, I'm thinking about that because I have the COVID year. So I'm thinking mm -hmm. about graduating this year and then trying to find somewhere else to play at D2 yeah. level. Yeah, understood. And look, I think all three of you guys, if you want to do that, would be great additions, and you all three have the ability to do it. And I think what that does is all your hard work. I mean, we're on practice, I think, 43. Mm -hmm. And I know this, that you three guys are 43 for 43. There hasn't been an easy day of the 43 because one of the things I want to bring to life, I don't think everybody truly knows when I say you work hard every day in practice, what that entails. Mm -hmm. The conditioning level, you representing the other team on defense, on offense, pushing our players to improve, making drills instead of it being average, really, really good, and the different things that we, we really ask of you to do on a daily basis. But it's one thing to do that, and, and I know the thrill of victory is with you, but to also be on a court and contributing and playing, I think that's another thing that you know, potentially could bring you even more joy than you already have playing this game. So you guys know that I'll, I'll do whatever I can, as we all will, to make sure that when and if that time comes, that we get you to a great spot. The Sean Miller Podcast is brought to you by our trusted friends at Deer Park Roofing. Protect what's important with Deer Park Roofing's industry-leading training, expert attention to detail, and responsive service. From commercial and residential replacements to roof repairs, gutters, and more, request a free estimate today at DeerParkRoofing.com. That's DeerParkRoofing.com. So we were talking earlier about the different things that you guys do, I would say on an everyday basis, drill-wise, segment-wise, and practice, that I believe, you know, really helps our team. And and just so you guys know this, coaching has evolved just like the game has changed and your role has really evolved over time. You know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, I think that you guys sometimes would be a part of the practice, but there'd be a lot of dead time. And what you would do the most of is represent the other team's plays. Or, you know, when we want to guard the other team's actions, a lot of times at the end of practice, then it was your time. I think you would all agree 
When we start practice at 3 o'clock, you're full go from 3 until it ends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right? So these are a couple <clears throat> things, and I'd love to get your thoughts. So we call this drill disadvantage. It helps our team prepare against the different zone defenses that we face throughout the year. You know, we're more of a man-to-man -man team, so instead of us having to guard ourselves or go against ourselves, what this allows me to do is all of our players that are going to play in the game are thinking offense and preparing for offense and getting ready to play against the other team's zone. And that's because you guys are out on the court. So here we go right here. We got Michael, Ian, and Brad, AJ, who's not with us tonight, and Mark. Bob's out, and he declined. <laughs> so as you can see, we have five defensive players, but we have four offensive players. In this particular clip, we have Trey, Quincy, Dez, and Lazar. So we're playing four versus five. Tell me from your perspective what this does to prepare our team for the zone that they're getting ready to face. Uh, well, I know on our end, it's even though that there's four players, it's still really hard to guard. But it's more of our players trying to get like the spacing right and also just the concepts without having the big guy down at the block. So we got to get the ball moving, and it's that's what's really encouraging is ball movement, and so that we're not standing with the zone because when we're standing with the ball in our hands, the ball is not moving, and then the zone stays still. That's right. So we're, we're trying to distort the zone, and we have you with five versus four. So it makes it a little bit more difficult. And again, fakes, right? And you guys are, are swarming the ball right here. You got three guys on Dez. You can do that because you have one more player than we do. Mm -hmm. Again, the effort level you're playing with, it makes it even more challenging. This so far is a ridiculously bad possession, right? Stop. <laughs> but you could see you're putting pressure on the four <clears throat> offensive players. You're trapping them. You're putting two on the ball. They have to use their fakes. They have to use their dribble just to survive. And the thought becomes when we add the fifth player on offense and it becomes five on five, for them, life is easier. And I think it's a great way to represent the challenge of a good zone. But great job. Again, another clip, disadvantage. Again, what we can say on this is, look, we only make two or three passes. The ball never traveled in the paint. The, the zone is not distorted, right? No. Drive to the paint, jump stop, use your fakes, use your shot fake, more cutting, more movement. And they start to see that if you don't move the zone, you end up taking three-point shots that aren't good. There's a good example of Trey doing what we want him to do. He relocates. But you see, it forces, this drill forces these four offensive players to survive, and then that's what we want. You get into paint, you distort the zone, you make two people play you, you skip it. Dez doesn't take an ill-advised three. He drives the ball. And we didn't do well against Oakland because we didn't win the game. 
but it wasn't our offense that cost us the game. It was clearly our defense. Mm -hmm. Our zone attack, shooting 30 free throws, only having 10 turnovers, I think a lot of the byproduct of that performance stemmed from you guys representing Oakland's zone in this disadvantage drill. All right, scout transition. This has to be one of your favorites. Yes, sure. by, far. Right? by far. Because you get to play offense, right? <laughs> yeah. So you explain the drill to me, Michael, through your eyes. What does scout transition, A, from your perspective, but also what does it prepare our team to do better in games? Um, so scout transition is pretty much us three and then our Mark and AJ as well, pushing five on five against the whatever team one, two or three. Um, and we're running whatever team's concepts, uh, offense that we're, we got upcoming, we're pretty much gonna try to simulate their offense to the best of our ability, make sure they get back in transition, play defense, and then not give up a ill-advised or a wide open shot. Yep. And we're trying Anything to get a wide to shot. Emphasize or add to that? It's more of our guys, we gotta get back against teams that play fast. That's we gotta amazing. be able to stop the ball and get five Guys so, on the ball. Michael, what you said is true, but really yeah. the premise is we want to put extreme pressure on these five players to understand we want to make the game five on five and get back in transition. A lot of times we'll do this drill when the team we're getting ready to play against shoots a lot of threes in transition yeah. or like, for example, they push the ball without a rim runner, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it's different. So our center has to find the perimeter. Bryant, for example, they push the ball at a fast pace, and they were constantly five out. Mm -hmm. So this is the drill, our go-to in practice, to prepare our team to A, get back against an up-tempo team, to defend the three-point line, to not run to the paint when you don't need to. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, Michael, and then when the game's five on five, we have to get back to our concepts. Yep. So this is how we do it. We run one of our actions or plays, five on zero, and then the infamous double whistle is going to happen, right, at some point. Whenever that double whistle happens, you can see, Michael, this is you, right? We gave you a real advantage. Double whistle happens now. That means Dez drops the ball. And, wow, look, look at the pressure we have. So one, two, three, four, five. Now we have to try to make the game five on five against you guys. So this would be, I think, one of those go again. And part of what we're saying to Sasha is, even though you're a center, your job is to get in front of the ball, mm -hmm. not worry about who's behind the ball or your man, but build a wall so that Michael can't go one-on-one -on -one full court against Davion. But that's a great job and one. So again, we're running our action five on zero. These guys are going to go until they hear that double whistle. It happens. And now here you are, Brad. Go. Again, we're 0 for 2. But there's nobody and nothing we can do to simulate a team playing fast. And the importance of getting back, the importance of making the game 5-on-5 five five than this drill. But you can see Michael went coast to coast. And now, Brad, you go coast to coast. We're giving maximum effort, but we're putting incredible pressure on these five guys. All right? So those are actually two bad examples yeah. <laughs> and examples of you guys doing a really good job. So we'll stay with that until we get it right, until they make you play five on five, 
we could point, talk, match up. And look, there's nothing more important to our defense than getting back in transition, right? Mm -hmm. yep, exactly. so, and I got to say, that's even though that they let us score, that's still like the best part of being on that scout transition because then we get to do it all over again. Yeah. Right. Take You're it. on offense too. Yeah. Make right. it take it. Plain, no, no doubt. The Sean Miller Podcast is proud to partner with Payroll Partners, where you're not just a number. That means providing a best-in-class HR and payroll experience that was built on award-winning technology and live support customer service with a dedicated payroll specialist who's just a phone call away. You shouldn't have to choose between technology and customer service. At Payroll Partners, you get both. Payroll Partners is locally owned and operated by a proud Xavier alum. For more information or to request a free demo, visit payrollpartners.net. That's payrollpartners.net. And, and look, I will say this. That's why it's so important in the role that you three guys have that you can play. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. you're not just some guys who want to be on the team. The activity, your conditioning, you know, your physical fitness, just your, your ability, I mean, how much you weigh, your body fat running all day. I mean, you're out there for two hours. When you're doing that scout transition drill and we do that 8, 10, 15 times in a row, I mean, there's nothing that we can simulate more in terms of conditioning for you guys than that drill itself, yeah. okay? So this is an everyday drill. This is the third drill we're showing, which is five-on-five five change. So it's a constant. I don't know if there's a more important drill that we do for our offense than this one. You want to explain it, Ian? Yeah, so we do it every day after we do five on O, and then we'll come out, we'll go through, like, our main concepts, and then the well, scout guys will come out, and we'll be in whatever coverage a team we're playing is doing. So so explain that coverage. Uh, so ball, ball screen coverage, when whenever a four or five sets it, for example, like Houston, they're trapping the ball screens. So we... For this week, we're going to trap the ball screens and switch the pair sides. And we just have to emulate their defense and basically give them the best look that we can. No doubt. So, like, sometimes a team will go under our screen. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. if we know that, you guys, you're going to simulate, you're going to be the other team. You're going to go under screens. Yep. Houston, obviously, a great defensive team, super, super aggressive, put two on the ball. It's hard for us to prepare for that if that's not our style, right? Exactly. Yep. So what we mm -hmm. do is we have you guys simulate Houston. Our players can focus on our offense. We're going to get tons of repetitions against that type of coverage. And I believe this, that it allows our team to be the most prepared for the next game. Mm -hmm. And you guys yeah. know this too. It's crazy how one game can be completely different from the next. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And we're just going through it from leaving a zone game a game where that's all we worked on for two or three days is zone offense to now a team that won't play zone that's great playing man-to-man. -man. Yep. Mm -hmm. So what's mm -hmm. the saving grace for me, you guys, that you're locked and loaded to be Houston, mm -hmm. okay? Yep. So here it is, five-on-five five <clears throat> change. We usually do this at the very beginning of practice, right? Probably the first 20 minutes. Yep. So running our transition, now you could see what we're simulating here is switch, Ian. Yep. Yep. So here's Michael. Here are you. You switch. <clears throat> and again, we don't switch. So how do you prepare for a team that switches? Through the, for, through what you do. Yep. So here it is. It. Boom. 
And now we're trying to pick on Michael here, small on big, Gitas. And Dez does a great job now on the next switch. So when you get to the second side, mm -hmm. the coverage is switch again. And now Dez takes on the center. Boom. BJ used to be a two guard. He's the center now. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Pace, right? Fast into it. You're waiting on us. The coverage. Different coverage now. It looked like yep. a flat hedge. Great. Ian, great block. <laughs> Yeah, Ian playing hard. Michael got bowed in the in the face. Yep. <laughs> Looks like he quit playing, Michael. Yeah, that was a All right, elbow good, in the face good. right there. Good job. <laughs> or the nose. <laughs> I can't tell. Oh wow. And the play is still going. That was okay. Those ones hurt. Again, five on five change. Here we go. Made field goal. Quick push. Des at the one. Running our, our through. Again, now we're so, simulating the hedge. This yep. is Houston, right? Yep. Or an aggressive team. Out, two people on the ball. So Dez has a different game plan when there's two people on the ball than he does if you switch. So one of the ways that we teach him how to play against the hedge, how to play against the switch, is this drill, again, with you guys making it what it is. By the way, a little shout-out yeah. to Bob. Oh, before he says. Says. Shout out Bob. Here he is. Free injury, Bob. He said no to this podcast. <laughs> that would be hysterical if he got scored on. And again, I, I, I don't think it's easy to score against you guys. I think your quickness, your organization, you've done this so long, so, so many times that you know what you're doing. And it's very representative for us on what's to come. So you saw that five-on-five five change. I think we showed three types of coverage, hedge, yeah. switch, yep. and flat hedge. Flat hedge. Yeah. So it's a way for us to teach our guys how to play against the different defenses that we see. And in a given week, Sometimes that change is drastic, as yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. Who's the ho most difficult player in the two years that you guys have been here to defend? Dez. Dez? I, I was about to say Dez, too. Yeah. On the perimeter, definitely Dez. Oh, it's Sule. Him, yeah. Guarding him, like picking him up full court and trying to... I, I would say Sule is up there for me. Mm. Dez, is, Dez is the strength, but Sule's got quickness. And, mm. so, How about Colby? I would say Colby too. Yeah. We, I mean, we had a lot of good guys. They were all yeah. hard to guard. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you know, I, I think in, in our <clears throat> offense a year ago, one of the understated players, and I want this year's team to learn from some of the things that he did a year ago. Adam Kunkel wasn't yeah. as big and strong as Dez, and maybe as quick with the ball, but he really was the smartest player in our offense. Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, I thought like from a concept perspective, like this drill, I mean, he, he almost mastered each of the coverages on yeah. what to look for. Would you guys agree with me? 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Conco, he was, no matter who was on him, like it could, no matter who was on him, I was always confident he could get a basket. Right. And no, no matter what they did to him, he was just always going to score. Right. Yeah. Yep. Or make the right play. Yeah, his game was he, so simple. He just, he was really good with his offhand. When he drove, it was like he wasn't the quickest guy. But he was hard to stay in front of him because he was, like, slippery in a way. Yep. Because he was good with his offhand, and he had that sneak layup that he would always do. And 
Yeah, Kunkel was a great player. So four-on-four concepts. What stands out about four-on-four concepts? I would say five-on-five change, the last drill, and now four-on-four concepts are everyday drills, right? Yes. We even do this in shoot-around. Yeah. What stands out in terms of for you guys? Would you say this is one of the most difficult Oh, for sure. Drills for yeah. you guys. Condition. It's always at a bad. It's always at a bad time in practice. I was like, <laughs> right, I was right when we're in the most that. most gassed, right <laughs> after offense or defense, we come out here, or it's we've been sitting around for a little bit, and then it's end of practice. We yep. get thrown out there. So I would say this is one of the hardest. Yeah. So one of the reasons we always <clears throat> play music when we do this. There's a couple reasons that I do that, but one of which is is to motivate you three <laughs> because i know at this point we've been going for a long time we need your best effort so we usually turn on the music right but again it's another way for us to drill the concepts and that is what is going to be the coverage ian you said earlier this is a switch yep. Yep. what are we looking for how do we go about that and we're trying to simulate that against you guys okay last one Van Gundy ball screen drill, named after two great friends of mine, Stan and Jeff Van Gundy. Both of those guys have done this drill when they are coaches, and it's a great way of teaching our ball screen defense now, our coverage. We're on defense now. So what we now utilize you guys, the way we utilize you in this drill is you're on, on offense, right? Mm -hmm. This has to be one of your favorite drills too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely up there. I mean, offense, hit the screen guys. And if we, if we score, we get to keep going. So, yeah. So we got to get that first shot stop, and we're working on our coverages, working on our communication, working on our protection and recovery, all these different things. And the name of it is Van Gundy Ball Screen Drill because at the end of the day, the only way we reward, we, we are going to reward our five defenders is they have to get a first shot stop, right, without fouling. So this is a great example. We're at 11 seconds. We have two freshmen, Kachi and Dalen in a ball screen. They blow the coverage. Yep. Right? Dalen is in ice coverage. Kachi looks to me like he's in drop coverage. So I don't know if he yelled ice and didn't do it or Dalen took it upon himself to get in ice without him saying it. But they're going to learn the hard way that that's, that's not going to work. Foul. So we would go again. So we're working on communication, ball screen coverage. Sometimes we simulate what the other team does. We keep playing even through deflections. And this would be a great example of good defense, right? Where we have five defenders on one side of the floor. Great, that's team defense. No strike, Sasha got to get, get his hands up. And I would say that's one thing that Sasha has to do a better job of. Our young big guys, yeah. they don't understand. When you play with your hands down, you might as well be 6'5", yeah. right? No strike, hands up, hands up. This is the drill we, we utilize to teach them things like this. Good pass, Brad. Michael Wolf, what do you think? I think I know it's a miss. Miss? I think so. I think it looks good. Yeah. Big time shot. Have some confidence. <laughs> and watch the block out here, BJ on Sasha. BJ. <laughs> <EJ. laughs>
and their company motto is protect what's important. Deer Park is not just another storm-chasing roofing company. They're invested in your community and truly care about the people in it. You can trust them to do the job right. Deer Park has highly trained professional technicians who make sure your residential or commercial roofing system is installed correctly and quickly. For a free estimate, visit DeerParkRoofing.com today. That's DeerParkRoofing.com. I want to close this podcast up by again thanking you guys for your effort level. You know, none of you are on scholarship and the amount of energy and effort you've given us. By the way, you're here in the summer. You're here in the fall. You're every day. If we're in shoot-around on the day of a game, when we go through the other team's sets and we're, we're going through it, we're doing four-on-four concepts, you're hard at it even on game day. And I know there's nobody in our locker room more disappointed if we lose or happier than we win than you guys. And I love how the managers and really all of us give you a shout-out, great job, Scout, because I think we all know that leading up to every game we play, you're a big part of why we're going to be successful. So I respect you guys a great deal. And uh, we, couldn't, we couldn't be the team. And certainly as we build our program, you can't become the type of college basketball program we aspire to become without people like you in our program every day. I would just like to close with this from you. What is it that you believe people on the outside, even a great fan of ours, don't completely understand about college basketball that you feel like you do being that you're a part of it every single day like you are? What is it that you sometimes say, God, I wish, I just wish they understood this or, or that? Uh, for me, I would say they don't realize the time commitment. They don't, like, pretty much the only month we get off is May, and then there's breaks here and there, but during the season there's not many breaks. So I think that people really don't, they think that since you don't play, like, you're not also in the gym lifting right. or playing basketball or doing all that. And then another thing, I think people people always come up to me and they always, like, if it's the new year, they're always like, so are you going to play this year? And I always am like, well, I would love to, but that's not really what I'm here yeah. for. Mm -hmm. So they, and then they, they're all, they think I, like I'm bad at basketball or something, or right. they're disappointed that that's my answer is like, oh, I'm not starting this year. Like, right. I right. know what I'm here to do. And that's yep. playing is in the games yep. is my treat after getting the guys ready to play. So I think that's like the biggest uh, misconception. No. Embracing a role in college sports is so big. Mm -hmm. And yeah. everybody wants to be the quarterback or everybody wants to be the leading scorer. But man, sometimes it's guys like you that really allow us to, to like become the best we can be, mm -hmm. and to your point. Brad, what made you wear a mullet? So it, it, right when I got to high school, my hair started getting curly. And I've always had short hair. And so I was wondering, like right after my freshman year of college, I was wondering if the back of my hair got ever curly, ever would get curly. Mm -hmm. And my mom was very against it at the beginning. She really didn't want me growing a mullet. She thought I would look gross and all that. So, and then also, so then I'd started doing it and then it started getting curly in the back. And then my mom started loving it. My grandparents started loving it. And I also did it just a way to stand out a little bit. Yeah. Cause sometimes as a walk on, you kind of get lost sitting at the end of the bench. So I wanted a way for people to recognize me. Yeah. 
So that was a simple Good. way. So it's here to stay then. Yeah, yeah. it's here to stay. Yeah. And then my brother also grew a mullet right at the same time. You know, in 1987, <laughs> I had... I had a badass mullet. <laughs> I bet it was good. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody did back then, Brad. Yeah. The one thing about you right now, you're an outlier, you know? Yeah, so, so you got, I had to bring yeah. it back. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> Ian? All right. Um, yeah, what I would say is what people don't really understand is how hard it is to win every game. Yeah. Because, I mean, you emphasize that a lot, and you don't really understand it until you go through it. And, like, even, like, last year, like, we lost to DePaul – Yep. Butler and like things can just happen where like there's no there's no team that's bad like they're all division one they're all big east teams like they might not be on the same level or winning as many games as us but there's still so much that goes into winning every game whether it's film after a previous game the personnel we have to go through their offense their defense just like all the little details underneath out of bounds and everything like you can only make so many mistakes otherwise it Otherwise, no it's over because everyone's but, just so good. Especially in the in the conference we're in and <clears throat> exactly. the schedule we play. You're, I think that perspective is something that for all of you guys will have these lessons for the rest of your life. But that right there, what you just said, how hard it is, you might as well say, to be successful. Yeah. That, that, that's what you take from here, and that will be the greatest gift that we give you yeah. when you leave. Yeah. Michael? Um, without piggybacking on the how hard it is to win – I would say it's our job, and the one thing that most people don't understand is it's our job to get the guys ready for the games, pretty much preparing ourselves to do whatever we need to do to make them as ready as they can to win the game, um, giving it 100% effort every single time we step on the floor, the weight room, behind the scenes stuff, whatever we're doing, give it a 100% effort, knowing that we will never see the floor. Pretty much giving of ourselves for the betterment of the team and doing whatever it takes to win. Because yeah. I think, like you said, we're the happiest when we win and we're the most upset when we lose. Yeah. So one of the questions I have for you, Coach, is right when I came here, I saw the video of you on the Johnny Carson Tonight Show, yeah. and I wanted to know how that came about and what the experience was like. Yeah, no, so a couple things. I hate when people bring it up, <laughs> so I'll start there. I was, I think, 11 or 12 years old, so I'm 55 now. So imagine if somebody would talk to you about it for the last 44 or 45 years of your life. And that's actually what's happened, Brad. For a while, when I was younger, I would say there wouldn't be a week in my life that wouldn't go by where somebody would ask me what you just asked me about. What's happened as I've gotten older is not a lot of people think about Johnny Carson they don't understand that Tonight Show. It's not as big today as it once was. I mean, mm -hmm. back then, imagine late night, you had like one or two choices, and everybody watched the Tonight Show. Yeah. So how it happened was my dad was a high school coach. I was his son. There was no baskets that would go down to like six feet or five feet or eight feet back then. So when you were a little kid, unless you could shoot on a 10-foot basket, all you would do is dribble a basketball. And my dad was a great teacher. Loved the game. I loved the game. And for whatever reason, I just got to the point where I could almost do anything with the basketball. As young as about nine years old. So I started to do these halftime shows because he was a high school coach. I'd do the halftime show of his game. And one thing led to another. And Sonny Vaccaro, who created this Dapper Dan round ball game, a high school American mm -hmm. game, he heard about me and he invited me to do the halftime show of the Dapper Dan round ball game. 
I did that. And then I did a few other college games, NBA games. Well, as the legend grew, somehow I got invited to go on The Tonight Show. It's a forever moment. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, and I'd say the last 10 years, people don't ask me about it as much, but man, for a long, long time, uh, I'm that guy. Yeah. Ian? Uh, yeah, I'll just ask you, who would you say Xavier player, because I've been a fan for a long time, favorite player to have coached, like based, based on talent, mentality, work ethic, like everything, favorite player that you've coached here? Well, I, I would say to answer it, you know, first part of it is it, there's a lot of them yeah. because uh, I think a lot of great Xavier players have one common theme and they have a healthy chip on their shoulder. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if this is the dream school for a lot of young players, right. but it certainly becomes a great choice. And when they choose here, I think they choose here to prove to a lot of people that they're better than they were ranked. And I'm going to go partner with a with a a basketball program that sometimes flies under the radar, yeah, if you know what I mean. Sure. We, we have to earn our respect. 100%. But I would say that the top of my list is someone that I coach, not as a head coach, but as an assistant coach okay. here. And his name is Romain Sato. All right, yeah. One of the reasons is uh, English wasn't his first language. Uh, school was difficult. He's from the Central Africa Republic, that's his home country. Yeah. And uh, he was a warrior. He was the ultimate off the court gentleman, unbelievable person. And yet the second he went on a court, it became like a lion. Yeah. And it's that combination of how could you be such a great guy off the court and such a competitive, fierce, warrior on the court. Did you compare him to Sule at all when it comes to that? Because I feel like last year I just noticed, like I hung around Sule a lot because I was always hanging out with Cam and Dez and he roomed with them. And he was just such a nice, like calm guy yep. off the court. But once, even in practice, he wasn't like crazy. But once the games came around, he was Sule has that animal. combination yeah. of being a just a free-spirited, nice person <laughs> off the court. But Sato is like 100 times Sule. Oh, yeah. I believe it. Bigger. <laughs> You know, just yeah. bigger. But, and Romain went on to be really, I think, an icon in Europe. Uh, when I was the coach at Arizona, we did a, a summer trip to Barcelona in Spain. Yeah. And Valencia is a city in Spain. And that's where Romain Sato played for many years. And there's a huge picture, like as big as a 20-foot wall of him on oh, the wall, cool. you know, as a champion yeah. of... of the Euro League and, and above and beyond. So he's uh, he's almost like a Hall of Fame player in the Euro League and in Europe. Awesome. Michael? Ooh. Um, if you had to pick one game, either as a player or a coach, to get back and redo again, what game would you pick? Oakland. <laughs> Good <No>. answer. <laughs> no. Fair enough. Uh, I would say uh, it would have gone back I won't get the year right, but I think it would be, um, in essence, the third year that I was the coach here. Okay. My third season. Had a very good team. We were in the NCAA tournament in Lexington, Kentucky. Played BYU in the first game, and we won. And then we played Ohio State. I think we were an oh. eight or nine seed. Yep. They were a one seed. They had Greg Oden, 
Michael Conley Jr., <clears throat> Coach Mata, yep. who had left Xavier to go to Ohio State. Good friend of mine was the coach at Ohio State. And, uh, man, we had him on the ropes. Yep. We had him on the ropes. And uh, we had the opportunity to foul winning by three points, and we elected not to. And I could see it like it was yesterday. Ron Lewis jumped up from about 30 feet at the buzzer to tie the game. The game went into overtime, and they ended up beating us, and they went to the national championship. It just shows the parity of the NCAA tournament. They almost won the national championship, but they were really close, about an inch away from l losing and us going to the Sweet 16. But, yep. you know, we learned a lot from that game. The following year and years after, I think that game toughened us. We wanted desperately to get back to that situation. And in sports, sometimes your hardest lessons are when you lose uh, a way like that. So, yeah. you know, our loss to Oakland has to be the fuel to a future win here this year for us. Yeah, 100%. I would agree with that. Absolutely. Well, look, I'm glad you guys were able to be a part of the podcast and uh, look forward to the rest of the year together. You know, what you do for us every day, this podcast speaks speaks right right to it, how valuable you are, how much we respect you, how much I respect what you do, and all three of you are very good players. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, you Coach. This has been the Sean Miller Podcast, presented by Deer Park Roofing, with your hosts, Paul Fritchner and Adam Bound. Join us again soon for another episode with the head coach of the Xavier Musketeers, Sean Miller.